0: The New Testament reading is Acts 2, verses 42 through 46, and you can find it on page 530 in the paper Bibles. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common And we are two weeks away from our fall kickoff, like I said a minute ago. And that's the week that we are really hoping to uh, invite our community in. Uh, that's the day where we're hoping to invite our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and our classmates. Um, but just because we are in a new space and just because we are headed to a fall kickoff, it does not mean that we are trying to be a new church. In fact, just the opposite. We are taking four weeks and we're in the middle of those four weeks reviewing what kind of church God has called us to be. And today we are on the third of those four values. We are on the value of being a church for the neighborhood. And that value, being church for the neighborhood, is more than just a plan for our church. Uh, It's more than just a strategy for our organization. But that is a, a value that has to do with you with your life, with God's plan for your life to be connected to the community that he has created you for. It's not just about the way we want to build a Sunday service, but it is about how God, from the very earliest moments in history, has been on a rescue mission where he has intended to take your life and connect it to the life of others for his glory. His plan that, as the New Testament puts it, we would be built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So I want you to know this core value sermon is more than just a strategy sermon. This is about God's intention for you. And I want us to remember that today as we look at the scripture, as we look at this text, which comes from Acts chapter 2, if you'll open up there with me, we're going to see a picture of the earliest church and what God was doing there. And particularly as we look at it, we're going to see three things. We're going to see the church that Jesus built. We're going to see the community that we need. And we're going to see the challenge that we face. The church that Jesus built, the community that we need, and the challenge that we face. Okay, I love this passage. I maybe have preached on this passage more than any other passage at our church. This is something that just gets me excited when I think about it because it is a glorious picture. It's a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be like. It starts off with this moment where Peter preaches the gospel and then all of a sudden this powerful community spontaneously appears. This amazing, this holy, this majestic community appears centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when I read this passage, and then I look out at the world, and I see the thing that we call church, a lot of times my heart sinks. When I think about what the church is today in the United States, it seems like often it, it has a lot more to do with putting on a show than withdrawing people into a powerful community that's centered on Christ. Today, a successful church tends to be those churches that do the best job at appealing to our consumer instincts. The churches that do the best job offering us a couple of hours of entertainment. I was talking to somebody recently who said they had visited a church on easter and during the middle of the service they had everybody reach underneath their seats because they were giving out free ipads and in our own church in in our offices once once a month or or so we we receive this magazine that is offering us things that we can buy that will make people like our church more and the things you can find in this are waterfalls to put in your lobby uh, life-size pirate ship jungle gyms to put in your kids' room, full-size movie projector screens. And the hope is that you'll these things will, will draw in the crowds. And today, if the church isn't like that, if the church isn't some big show, well, on the other side, we have this other image of a decaying old cathedral with a handful of people reminiscing about the glory days that have gone by. When those are the pictures of the church, when that's what people think of, when they think of the church, is it any wonder why they aren't impressed? Is it any wonder why people are questioning whether the church is valid or relevant at all? Now, I want to be careful. I I, I don't want to, you can easily start to feel self righteous when you talk about what other people are doing. The truth is, we have plenty of our own mess here. And the reason we're preaching on this sermon is because we need to be called back to the Word of God. But the point is, the reason I bring up the big shows and the empty buildings is because that way of doing church is a far cry from what you see described in the New Testament. The church that Jesus built is a people, not a place. The church that Jesus built is a people, not a place. But because we live in this culture where we have these strong consumer values, these strong individual values, we tend to think of Christianity, we tend to think of the church the same way we think of anything else. We come to the church the same way that we go to the Target at South Bay, right? We come in and we we take the things we want, And we leave the things that don't really interest us, right? We check out the groceries, maybe go to the electronics section, look at the clothes, and then we go back home. We come to church the same way. We come and we we listen to the things that we like and we ignore the things that we don't like and then we go back to our houses, to our lives that have nothing to do with what happened in that building. But scripture tells us a very different story. Scripture shows us that the church is not just an organization that we as individuals go and interact with, but the church is a people to whom all Christians belong. It's not a place where we drop in on occasion, but it is an identity that defines every follower of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter, when he is writing a letter to his church when he is trying to explain what the gospel is, here is how he puts it. He says, once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let me repeat that. He says, once you are not a people but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That is how he summarizes the gospel. So let me ask you, where is the individual in that picture? She's not there. He's not there, right? Where is the average American who says, my faith is a private matter between me and God? That picture... (laughs) does not exist. It's nowhere to be found. The gospel message is that Jesus came for a people. That means that if Jesus is your Savior, then you are in his church. That means if Jesus is not your Savior, then he is calling you not only into a relationship with him, but into a relationship with all of his people. He's calling you to be a part of his family. One author, I like, put it this way, he said, Christ died for a people, and you are a Christian when you become a part of the people for whom Christ died. The church Jesus built is a people. It's not a place. That's the first point. But why does that matter? Why is that such a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because we need this kind of community. The community of the church is something we need. It's something that we were made for. Christ built a church because our God is a triune God. You know what that means, triune God? God. I don't know if we use that word frequently enough up front. But that God is Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That our God is a God who in himself is an everlasting communal relationship. And scripture tells us that we were created in the image of this communal God. God. We long to be a part of a people because we were made in the image of a God who is community. We need community. We were created for community. We long for community. I think that last fact is maybe more evident now than it ever has been before. Are we not in a generation where people are just desperate for connection? where we are constantly doing whatever we can to outrun the sense of loneliness and isolation. We are are constantly pumping other people's thoughts into our heads. We are afraid to be by ourselves. We're trying to make it feel like we have somebody with us. We're always connected on Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. We're connected to all these things. But I just read this study. It was... Uh, the American Journal of Preventative Medicine. And in March, they said that, that people who are most connected to social media are actually twice as likely to feel lonely. And doesn't that just seem right? Doesn't that resonate with your own life? We're seeking out this community that we can't find because the world cannot provide That community that we need. And I want to be, you know, I want to take this a little closer because I recognize as I'm saying that, maybe maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you come here this morning and you feel lonely. Maybe you're sitting in this crowd of people and you feel isolated. You're longing for a connection, but you don't know where to find it. Well, I want to encourage you. That's a, a normal desire. That is a, a God-given desire. But just because we're here, just because we show up and we sit in the same room doesn't mean we're going to have the kind of community we need. To get that, we've got to figure out what it takes. We need to look at this passage and and see exactly what kind of community this was in the book of Acts. So open up your Bibles and look with me at chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles." Okay, what we see here is, first of all, this community that we need, this community of the church is a community that is centered on the gospel and corporate worship. Now, we kind of already have spent a couple weeks talking about this. If you've been in our series, go back and you can listen to the audio. But the thing that sets the early church apart is that it is founded on the truth of the gospel message. It says that these people were committed to the apostles' teaching. Well, what was the apostles' teaching? It was the gospel. They were recounting and proclaiming the words of Jesus. The same words that that we recorded and we have right here. The word of God. These people could not get enough of the message of Christ crucified and resurrected. And so... Because they couldn't get enough of the gospel, they worshiped together. It says, what were they doing? They were breaking the bread and praying the prayers. Those articles that are attached are showing us that that these were formal things, that they were they were having communion, that they were holding to the the prayers of the temple. In other words, these people didn't see corporate worship as a burden. They didn't see showing up to hear the word preached as an obligation. They believed that that worshiping together was the place where they were going to encounter God. So what about us? What about you? How do you think about corporate worship? How do you think about Sunday morning how do you approach this time that we are spending together right now? One pastor who I really admire said, if you do not come on Sunday morning expecting to encounter the living God, then it's very likely you won't. These people placed worship at the center of their life together and as a result, the Holy Spirit was there. He was present. He was at work in their community. But let's keep going. Verse 44. And all who believed were together. And they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. The next thing the book of Acts tells us is... That the people in the church had no needs among them. And that wasn't because they only let middle class people come. (laughs) We see in those verses, maybe in between the lines, that every level of society was found inside of the early church. That there were people from all different levels of wealth. And as you keep reading the gospel, as you keep reading the book of Acts, and you see the church get built, you, you, you find out that the early church was a church built upon racial and cultural diversity from the very earliest days. And that should cut us a little bit. That should, should make you feel something as you read You know, the rally cry for the church, the call to the church is that we would love our neighbors as ourselves. And so I think a good measure for the church, a good question that we should always ask is, are our neighbors present in the church? If we're really a neighborhood church, then our church should look like our neighborhood. Does it? Are our rich neighbors here? Are our poor neighbors here? Are our black neighbors here? Are our white neighbors here? Are our Latino neighbors here? Are our Asian neighbors here? And if not, what needs to change? What stumbling blocks other than Jesus Are we allowing in this church? What sin do we need to repent of? Where are we failing in our daily lives to be obedient to Christ's command to love our neighbors as ourselves? The church of Jesus, the community that we need, is a community built with everyone in it. Let's keep going. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The last thing we see here is that the church was a living and a visible community. Now, we just moved our Sunday worship service, and so one of the things I had to do this week was get online and mess with our, like, you know, Google search listings. I had to change our little pin on Google Maps to show people where to find us. And one of the things I had to do was I had to change our business hours to say that we are only open from 8.30 until 1.30 on Sundays. And that kind of hurt me a little bit. <laughs> because as I... I wrote that down, I I recognize that that is the exact opposite of what we are called to be as a church. We are called to be a church not just a few hours on a Sunday morning, but the call to be a church is the call to be the people of God every single day of the week. Sure, we gather here, we come here for, for word and sacrament, but this place is not where the main work of the church is done. This place is not where the main work of discipleship happens. This is not where the main work of pastoring happens. This is not where the main work of evangelism happens. That happens in our homes. That happens around our dinner tables. That happens as we share our daily struggles with each other and point each other to Jesus. It happens when we help each other move or watch a football game together. When we bump into each other at at Haley House or on Center Street in the middle of the week. The primary shepherding and evangelism and counseling and mercy and justice that the church does doesn't belong just to the professionals, it doesn't just belong to to the clergy. It is the ministry of all the saints as we are living our life together throughout the week. And pretty simply, that is why we are a neighborhood church. That's why our church is called Christ the King, J.P. Roxbury. Because we believe if that is going to happen, if that kind of community is going to form, then we need to have a place. And I recognize that not everybody in this room actually lives in Jamaica Plain and Roxbury. I know we got people just over the borders. We have Brookline and and Dorchester and Roslindale. And and I just want to say, you guys, you're not sinners. (laughs) I'm not mad at you. I don't want you to go somewhere else. But what I'm saying is the reason why we have a center, the reason why we have anchored ourselves in Jamaica Plain and Roxbury is because we recognize that to be together, realistically, you got to have a place to be. The community that we need, the community that Christ intends for us, is a living community. A community that is constantly available. A community with actual relationships. A community where we always have a brother or a sister to call when we are in need. Or when we just want to hang out. And that kind of community, that kind of church is visible. That kind of church is not closed six days a week. That kind of church doesn't just happen in this room. It happens all over the neighborhood. And as a result, people see it. And it's attractive. In Acts, people saw the church. And it wasn't because they came to visit on a Sunday morning. People saw the church because these Christians were living in a place and living radical lives. People were drawn to it because they realized the church was different than every other community in the world. They were drawn to it because they saw that the church had power. That's the church that Jesus built. A church that was centered on the gospel, that was centered on worship, a church that embraced the whole tapestry of the community, where everybody was there, and a church that was visible, that was together all week long. That's the church Jesus built, and that's the church we need. That's the church we are called to become. But we have a challenge. We face a lot of challenges if this is what God wants for us. Look back again at the passage. Verse 44. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I've heard a lot of people preach on this passage before. It's a very famous passage. And almost always, they make a point to go out of the way to say something like, but you know, this wasn't communism. You know, this wasn't a commune. This wasn't communalism. You know, people still had their own possessions and things. I I think they partly do that because they want to be faithful to the text, but I also think there's an instinct in here because they want to try to turn the volume down on that passage a little bit. They want to make it a little less difficult to hear. And when we do that, I think we undermine what this text is trying to show us. What we need to see about this church, what we need to see about this church that Jesus built, this community that we need, is that it is radical and is costly. It's one thing to talk about loving our neighbors. It's one thing to to think we love our neighbors as we admire them as they walk down the street looking through the window. It's one thing to feel good about buying local or showing up at a parade or, or a protest. But it's another thing to actually be in community. To get to know your neighbors. To learn not just their names, but the struggles in their lives. To have them in your home. To maybe find out that maybe they don't think the way you think. Maybe they're significantly different from you. Maybe they're a little rougher around the edges than you had hoped. Maybe maybe they didn't vote the way you voted. Maybe they make you uncomfortable. See, when you start to share your life, you also share your burdens. And not just your financial burdens like the people we're doing in Acts, but emotional burdens, relational burdens. Real community can be incredibly uncomfortable when people start to get into your lives, when they get into your business, when they occasionally might call you out on your sin. Real community is messy. And it's not always rewarding either. Sometimes it's just painful. Sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes, sometimes you come in and you meet people and you see lives that are being transformed by Jesus and, and they are becoming more and more like Christ and those people bless your life way more than you will ever bless them. But sometimes you pour your life out for people and they take advantage of you. And they sin against you. And they slander you and one day they just leave. Community is costly. It's costly to sell your things and provide for each other's financial needs, but it's even more costly to pour yourself out to care for people's emotional and relational needs. And that means if we become this kind of church, if we are this kind of church for the neighborhood, it won't always be easy. It won't always be happy. It won't always be comfortable. There, sure, there will be some good days. There will be days like this where we have glad and generous hearts fellowshipping around the table. But there will also be days of discouragement. There are also going to be days with misunderstandings. But I want to encourage you that if we do this, if we live that way in the midst of those hard times, that is when we're going to see Jesus. You see, being a neighborhood church is a lot harder than being a consumer church. It's a lot harder than being a place where you come to have your needs met. In fact, being in this kind of church is impossible. We cannot become this kind of church in our own strength because it takes more than ideals. It takes more than desires. It takes more than wants. The only thing that can make a church like that is what we see here in the book of Acts. The thing that set off this church, the thing that set off this glorious and amazing and and vital and dynamic church, was not a good plan. It was not a well-designed flyer to hand out to your neighbors. It was the Gospel. Peter preached the Gospel. And the men and the women who were gathered that day at Pentecost saw the reality of Jesus Christ. They saw Jesus, the one, the only one who ever really understood what it was going to mean to love people. The only one who ever knew exactly what the cost could be. And he did it anyway. On the cross, Jesus faced the worst isolation. The worst loneliness this universe has ever seen. He was cut off from God the Father. On the cross, Jesus took the penalty for our sin. He was cast out. He was turned away from God. He was cut off from community so that through His death and through His resurrection, every single one of us who come to Him in repentance, who come to Him in faith, will know that we will always have a home. Because of his death and resurrection, we know that we will always have a family, that we will always be welcomed before the living God and be counted amongst the number of his people. Here's how Peter put it. He said, let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. The key for us to become this kind of neighborhood church is not a new strategy. It's that we need to see Jesus. We need to see exactly what He has given for us so that we could have this fellowship and we need to let that cut us to the heart. We need to see that He has spared nothing for us but He has poured out His very life for us. And when we see that, when we know that, we can go out and pour out our lives for one another, for this fellowship, and for this neighborhood. Let's pray. Father, the picture of Your church that we have here is amazing. It's amazing to think that this church just born was fully grown. And here we are a few years in and we are still just struggling to, to even dream of just a little bit of this. But Father, I know that your gospel, that your spirit, that your word is powerful and I pray that you would transform us. Lord, I pray that that this church would begin to look like our neighborhood. I pray that 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 we as your people would be willing to sacrifice. That we would be willing to pay the price to make sure that we are a church where none have needs. Lord, we pray for anybody here who, who doesn't know you, who doesn't know that community and who is longing for fellowship. We pray for those who are in this church every week and they feel alone. Lord, I pray that today they might come to you that they might come to the pastors, that they might come to anyone in this church and let us know that's where they are, and that they would find a welcome. Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.